it's Friday and welcome to a special episode of Talking Property. Now, Mark, we we couldn't let today go by without uh, having a chat about uh, a topic that's close to my heart, being in my neighbourhood, but also a very interesting um, saga that's uh, developed and it's got another chapter and that's at the Continental Hotel in Sorrento. Uh, tell us what happened yesterday with the news. Yeah, yesterday afternoon we received the um, uh, correspondence of Julian Gurner, who has been affiliated with the site. He, he agreed to buy it in 2013, and um, he was one that entered the joint venture arrangement with Stella, which was a bit of a disaster. So he's now seized full control of that site again. So that ends a long saga because the property was listed for sale only a couple of months ago, and then it sold and fell over. Um, the, the construction's stopped midway. Um, so it's really, really good news. And what um, Julian's actually done, which is very interesting, is that he's uh, he snapped up an adjacent um, 1,090 square metre site, which Stella had an option to buy, and that's at 12 Ryrie Lane. So suddenly his site has gone from 4,400 square metres over to 5,500 square metres, and what he's doing now is proposing something new altogether. So um, the old plan was an $80 million redevelopment, which would have included uh, retail and the hotel and residential. Um, the new plan is worth $100 million and it's commercial only. And what um, I thought the most interesting part of it was that it's going to add op- uh, big chunks of office space to Sorrento. So I was reading this thinking, well, um, the Continental has an office building behind it and uh, Sorrento might become an activity centre down the track. It might become the, the office hub of the Mornington Peninsula. So that's interesting. So what you're saying is we've got uh, the Conti and um, a lot of people will be focusing on the future of the Continental Hotel. I mean, what's happening to it, it's got to stay and all of that. Yet, um, maybe they may miss this bit of information that uh, there'll be a large office building in Sorrento. Yeah, or that's right. We don't know what I don't know what component of the shell, the approved shell, will be offered. There was also an apart. There's also a hotel component planned uh, and a wellness centre. Um, but uh, yeah, it would, it would work. Uh, when I read it, my my gut feel was that it would work as an office area. I think there's a lot of sea changes and a lot of uh, the way you know, the Victorians are working is changing. I lived at Phillip Island and worked there for six years, so it's possible to do. Um, and already one of the people that's contacted me following the story last night is a, a service office company that, you know, they might go and lease one of the spaces down there. So, you know, you'll suddenly have a lot more people entertaining the idea of, of living down that way. So it, it could it could revolutionise the whole area. I, I, it's, it's big, it is big news. In your minute, it's big news in the fact that he's acquired the um, control of it. It's big news in regards to the uh, the acquisition of the uh, making the site even bigger and then the proposing office. So... Yeah. Now this is also Why going back. Quiet? This is also going back to what um, you know you were talking about, but also other commentators that maybe the permit wasn't right in the first place. The actual mix. So he's been able to review that and now um, come back with a good mix. Yeah, that's right. And he's actually it's 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 quite it's exactly what you and I have talked about about the fact that the, the council would want to see it develop and the permit might not be correct. So what's happened now is that. Um, He's hoping to kickstart construction off by Australia Day next year. So that is putting a little bit of pressure on the council to say, I'll kick this off again, approve my office. Um, so if, if this was a new development that hit the market, that, that was announced five years ago before all these dramas, it might have been a big controversy that a big chunk of office is going to be built down there. But uh, somehow with what's happened, it's just I think everyone's just happy to see it developed, council included. So um, my, my instinct is that council will approve it. 
um, and, uh, and we'll go ahead. So he's got a, a pretty lucrative permit. He would have a pretty lucrative permit, that's officers. Let's just review. So Julian started. He bought the Conti, and uh, that was great. So, you know, he was really excited. Um, and then he advertised he was either going to sell it. Is that what happened? Or and But he retained it because he got a, brought a partner in. Can you just take us through what that those steps were for Julian? Yeah, definitely. Well, it was owned for, it was owned for, for, for years by the DiPietro family, owner-occupied by, by the DiPietro family. So Julian agreed to buy it in 2013. He settled in 2015. He never reopened it up as a hospitality venue. Then, um, after 2015, he acquired a neighbouring car park from the council, or he agreed to acquire a neighbouring car park from the council for just under $2 million. So that, that increased his land size um, from, I think it was about 3,500 to 4,400 square metres. Um, then he got the permit application uh, permit approved for this $80 million redevelopment uh, with the wellness centre and all the rest of it. Then he, in 2017, at the peak of the market, he put the property on for sale with the permit as a whole or seeking a joint venture partner. And that's when Stella came in as a joint venture partner and they signed a development agreement. So at that point, um, Stella had an interest in the sites. Even, so when Stella went uh, into administration earlier this year and as Stella couldn't afford to keep the construction going, Julian couldn't really take it back because Stella still had that interest there and that was still unresolved and still is unresolved. So somewhere along the line, Stella's relinquished control of this or Julian Gurner's bought control of it or Julian Gurner's agreed to take over that some kind of arrangement's been made. Um, but they're out. Uh, LBA Capital, which is the purchaser that came up and that came and went last month, they're out. Um, so he's taking it over. But we don't, you know, for, for someone like me, they're a bit of a cynic. I'm like, is it really over? Like, I mean, he could just be stopping the bleeding in terms of the bad press. This time next year, he might be touting it off market once he has a new permit. You, n- you never know. I've, I've done this job long enough to know. You never know. Um, but uh, he's 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 in he's determined in all his statements that he wants to keep the, do the development himself. Probably will. Um, so we'll see how it goes. So it is still a watch this space, but it does seem to be it's really good news for people. So something will be happening. Now, um, it's interesting what you said, uh, you know, is he stopping the bad press? Because um, what you and I talked about uh, before our recording was, you know, from a PR point of view, I've been watching this and, you know, Julian has always been so accommodating. He, you know, hasn't shied away from questions from, you know, the media and from the locals. He actually showed up on that um, that day, the the meeting day um, with the Sorrento Watchers and, uh, you know, the residents' groups. Um, now, his media release was quite interesting because um, he's employed Royce Communications, which is a rather large agency and does charge quite a bit. And yet the release looked very rudimentary. It came out as though Julian had dictated it to someone, very carefully worded, but to look like it in today's uh way where you have everything formatted it was just a typed sheet of paper like it was done on the typewriter which I really believe was deliberate to say hey you know it was very um again that style of oh I'm communicating uh and it's not a big fanfare (laughs) that's right yeah but it's using Royce which is pretty expensive exactly (laughs) so it's deliberate I'm thinking It costs a lot of money to look this cheap. Is that the yes, exactly. But uh, look, it was a very direct. Oh, I, I, I liked it. I've, often these press releases can be just so waffly. I've only I've only dealt with Julian once before on the phone, um, but all the rest has been by email. But look, he, to his credit, he's, he's been really good. He's kept us updated on everything, including with LBA Capital. He's done nothing wrong. He got into a joint venture arrangement with somebody who that, that, that collapsed. Like he's actually been facing music a lot more than Stella has. 
Um, so good on him, and but um, I think he's about to be rewarded if he gets his permit. I, 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 it's it's a great proposal. I, I, when I read, it, I thought it was a really good proposal. And, you know, for me to be getting interest about it within an hour after posting about it, like I mean, I think he'll do pretty well. I hope he does pretty well. Yeah. Also, too, though, there was that rumour too, and I'm not quite sure the links, but um, I think uh, you know within his family there's uh, you know, sort of um, a developer that's in aged care and that, and um, can uh, perhaps uh, take uh, some of that risk as well and invest in that uh, new venture that uh, Julian's proposing. That's right. Well, we still don't know what. Uh, well, Simon Pitar was one of the people associated with Stella, and we still don't know. He's still trying to retain sites down there, so we don't know. I don't know if Julian and Simon might know each other, um, if there's money in there from, from the family, that's been speculated to me as well, uh, whether the banks are coming <clears throat> coming good now. The timing's better than it was six months ago, so they might have got bank, bank finance, but uh, yeah, it'll be very good. It's interesting. It's good news. Big yes, news. and um, let's, uh, when will you know a bit more about, say, that office, um, you know, what is the, the permit or how does that sort of play out? When yeah, will well, there be more in, you know, information on that? Probably over the next uh, probably six weeks or two months, I'd say. He'll probably employ someone now to design something and he'll lodge something with council should become public information. Um, he'll probably fill me in on what's happening at the time, but otherwise I'll find it on the council website and, um, and I'll report it. Um, and then that will probably take three to six months if it's a straightforward application. Um, and if that gets approved then uh, by February, so it is going to be beyond the Australia um, deadline that he set, but it, it's... Yeah, he can probably do earthwork stuff. It doesn't require development yet. Um, so, yeah, we're probably looking at about six six months, I'd say. We probably know a bit more. Now, Mark, we can't let you go without um, asking you about a few other commercial stories that are going around. And uh, that was, uh, you know, of course, I like the name, Split Ends. What's happening there? Yeah, well, that's right. I think you and I, you and I talk the other day with residential stories. And I was like, hey, there's as many celebrity names in the commercial sector as well. So, yeah, Split Ends, one of the, found them, one of the members of Split Ends, North Crombie. Um, he's selling a property in Canterbury, an old um, a Masonic centre that he bought from Freemasons Victoria in 2015. He bought it with two other investors. They paid $1.4 million for it. It's um, said to be the old, uh, one of the oldest remaining examples of Egyptian revivalism in Australia. It's a very, very Egyptian revivalism? Mm. Yeah, it's a very unique looking building. It, it's, it's not over the top outside. It's not over the top at all, but it's, it's different, especially for Canterbury. You don't expect to see that in the tree line streets of Canterbury, but um, they, they bought it, uh, it was a Masonic centre, it was built in 1928, um, and, and uh, Noel Crombie bought it and renovated it and turned it into a function centre with three large dining areas and a bar, uh, and the restorations retained all, as many features as possible. So now it's for sale, Norman Kelly's Nick Bruni and Aldo Galante are selling it. Uh, it's being offered vacant, uh, meaning a hospitality operator might consider taking it, but the agents are also... Uh, targeting investors or office users or even residential people who might uh, use the fit out to turn into a prestige home. But uh, it's a pretty unique property, so I'll follow that one up. If anyone wants to see pictures of it, go on the website, but I'll follow that one up when the EOI closes uh, in a couple of weeks. And um, in his height, Rove McManus was, uh, you know, he uh, and this, this building that he had, his former office building in Abbotsford, what's happening there? Yeah, that's right, Ray. That's right. He was famous for burning down when he, when he was one of the occupiers about 15 years ago. I used to live right adjacent to it, actually. I used to look right into it. Um, it's, a, it's a little warehouse in the corner of Nicholson Street and Mollison Street in Abbotsford. And it was his headquarters for a while. And um, uh, it's now owned by uh, an architect, uh, CHT Architects Director David Carabot. And he's uh, been proposing an office development there which has now been approved. So there's an eight-level building going up, ground floor retail and seven levels of office. He'll be moving his headquarters into there. 
Um, so you and I have talked about a few uh, Office developments over the last couple of months happening in Abbotsford. This is the latest. So, yeah, so Rafa McMahon, it's not, he might go and reoccupy it again, but uh, it's a little, it's a little, uh, there's always a little thriving hub around there, so now it's about to come a lot taller, because uh, when I lived there, it was all two levels, and now this one's a seven-level proposal, there's, a, there's, a, there's another seven-level proposal in the area, it's, um, yeah, uh, Abbotsford's one to watch in terms of having its skyline soon. Mm, and especially when, um, you know, now the office buildings, you know, uh, tenants are demanding, they sort of more or less have those hotel facilities too. So it makes it a lot more exciting to go into and also, I suppose, for architects and that to work on. Yeah, that's right. No, they, are, they are a lot more interesting. I was, when I first got into this job, I was always a bit intrigued when I started reading the research that said the suburban hotels do a lot better than the city hotels. But that's actually a true. That's actually true. So, um, I, and when I go and travel now, I always try and stay in a suburb, in a suburb a bit like Abbotsford that you can just walk to Collingwood or walk to Richmond. Um, so yeah, they, they seem to be doing pretty well. So I've got a feeling we'll be reporting a fair bit about Abbotsford over the next couple. Of, well, you and I'll be talking about a fair bit about Abbotsford over the next couple of years. Now, Mark, you are a night owl, so you spend uh, a lot of the night, early morning, writing your story, so I better let you go so you can go back and get some shut-eye. <laughs> no worries. Sounds good. Speak soon. Enjoy your weekend. You too. Bye. Bye.